Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here in the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. And today, we're going to be talking about guys who don't want to use a condom, roommates who don't want to take no for an answer, and friends who just aren't exactly that and when to confront them and when to back off. And just as a reminder that if you want to chat privately with me, find me on the Instant Go app. My username is ShallonXO and click chat to get connected ASAP. Also, be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it and find me on YouTube for new videos every other day. Have you ever wondered what the secrets are behind some of the most successful women in the world? Well, each week on the Super Women with Rebecca Minkoff podcast, designer Rebecca Minkoff, yes, the girl who makes all of your favorite purses, talks to women from all walks of life, from CEOs to artists. They share their personal stories on the successes and their failures in order to help you tap into the power of vulnerability and find strength in dealing with loss. They also share tips on how to make your inner superwoman shine through. Doesn't this sound totally up our alley? So head on over to Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts for new episodes of the Superwoman with Rebecca Minkoff podcast to get inspired, laugh, and learn a few life lessons along the way. This question comes from a young lady named Julie, and she said, okay, I've known this guy for the past three years. I'm 24, he's 25. We dated for six months, and then we had to end it because he got deported back to his country, but he's always kept tabs on me, and we both live in the same city, and he'll contact me every two weeks, and every time we hang out, it's like this all-day sex thing. I'm sorry, it's an all-day thing, like we have a whole day-long date, and he refuses to use me for sex and has never booty called me, and he'll mention things about the future, like marriage and kids, and he even purposely finishes inside of me, but says he can't be in a relationship because he's too busy due to work, he's in investment banking, and also his family's super wealthy, and he's out of the country traveling with them a lot. So do you feel like this guy's ever going to want a relationship with me? I feel like he's saving me for later or something. And does it mean something that he's coming inside me purposely and not using condoms? Do you think I should be thinking about this situation differently? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do think we should all be thinking about situations like this differently because we have all been in them. A guy who only calls you every two weeks and then fucks you all day is literally the definition of a booty call. That is a booty call. It's worse than a booty call because it's undercover. He's masquerading as a good guy by doing the worst possible thing to a woman, which is finding the buttons and pushing. And the button for most women is marriage and kids. It's a long-term thing. It's true love, happy ending, everlasting commitment. Guys aren't stupid. I mean, they act stupid when it's convenient, but they're not. They're cunning and they're manipulative, especially bad guys like this one. He knows what buttons to push to get you right back in line, doing exactly what he wants, which is a raw day of like sex. We need to talk about the raw sex thing. We need to talk about guys who aren't using condoms. (laughs) Let's just put this perspective. He says he can't handle a girlfriend right now, okay? He can't handle a girlfriend, but he's fucking you without a condom on purpose. So he can handle children? I mean, does that make sense to you? If your friend says, no, I can't go to Pilates with you. It's just too strenuous. I think I'm going to join the Marines instead. Would that make sense? No, it doesn't make any sense. Only the difference is if your friend wants to join the Marines, who cares? It's her funeral. 
if a guy wants to fuck you without a condom, it could quite literally be your funeral. Because this dude obviously doesn't care about consequences. They mean nothing to him. He could go back to his rich family, his foreign country, block your number, and never deal with you again. Whether he gave you herpes, or a baby, or AIDS. He doesn't give a shit. This is a game he is playing with your future, your life. Your, forget even a baby or herpes. Just your happiness. We cannot let people push that happily ever after button and have us just, I mean, literally roll over legs akimbo, be like, do whatever you want to me because one day you're going to marry me. Would you want to marry someone like this? I want to murder somebody like this. I want to string a guy like this up by his heels like Mussolini in a town square and make an example out of him. <sighs> I mean, no. So no, coming inside you is not a compliment. It's like, oh, he trusts me and I'm just like his person. Girl, no. Do you think that you're the only person he's raw dogging? You're not. And we need to walk in the light of the truth on these things because the consequences, like I said, are very real. Very real for us, sort of maybe vague and tangential and theoretical for him because you think he's the only guy in the world who would ditch a woman who got pregnant or who got a disease or who just plain old caught feelings and was like, hey, uh, where are we going with this? If someone is not all in my life, they're not all in my vagina. Oh, how about we start that rule? If you can't commit to small things, you don't get to commit to something big like fucking me without a condom. That's for boyfriends and girlfriends. That's for husbands and wives. That's for partnership. Whatever name you want to give it, if you want to have a ring, if you want to have a court document to solidify it, whatever. And even then, I've been with my boyfriend two years. We use condoms. People lie and people run around and you have no idea who someone is when they aren't looking. And this goes for husbands and wives too. I mean, you think like it's never happened that a woman has been bamboozled by her husband Oh, he's out there, got his mistress pregnant. Oh, how'd that happen? Perhaps without condoms? He comes back to you without a condom? We cannot be so desperate for a man. And notice I didn't say love. Because if we were being like truly objective, I mean like, is this love? Do I define love as someone who contacts me every two weeks, uses my body, doesn't give me what I want? Of course not. That's not love. That's not friendship. That's inconsistency. And we don't allow inconsistency in other categories. I don't you know like put up with that from a job hey do you want to come in every two weeks and like I'm gonna work you like 15 hours at a time and maybe I'll pay you maybe not I don't know of course not that's a hellish situation you don't allow that from your family or your friends we cannot allow it for guys and if we're so desperate for a man just to have like that seat filler to be like I have a husband I have a boyfriend I'm normal I'm seen I'm worthy I'm on schedule I'm on target then we are like, we're so willing to do that. We're putting our health at risk. Have you ever gotten really sick? I mean like sick, sick, or you know what? Even just the flu. I guarantee you the feeling you felt when it was over was gratitude. Now imagine never being able to feel that again because someone fucked you sick. They gave you a disease, something you couldn't get rid of, something that caused a lot of problems. They gave you a baby you couldn't get rid of. You live in Alabama? Sweetheart, that's your reality now. Shit is getting really, really real. And again, we cannot let these guys bamboozle us so that they can have 30 seconds of pleasure or whatever, which by the way, God forbid we're ever having the orgasms. 
just because we're so desperate. Desperation is the most palpable, strongest scent on planet Earth. Guys can see it, they can smell it, they can practically taste it, and they will press on that desperation button to get what they want as long as you let them. We counteract this by having our own lives. Like, I don't need a guy to like nest with me. I can make my own damn nest. I make my own money, I make my own decisions. I give my happy ending to myself. My friends are my happy ending. My family is my happy ending. My career is my happy ending. And yes, I have a wonderful boyfriend and I'm in love with him, but he's a complement to my life. He's not the completion. He's not the sun around which I orbit. And believe me, I've been in those relationships before. And it's, it's like you think, oh, this is love. No, it isn't. It's, it's skittishness. It's mania and hysteria. It's the opposite of what love should be, which is restful and supportive and happy and whole. It's like the feeling of being at the spa where you're like, everything is great. I feel safe. I didn't feel safe when I was in those sun orbiting kind of relationships, when I was letting a guy sleep with me without a condom because maybe he'll like me. I felt crazy and I felt ashamed of myself. How could you not? I knew I was better than that. I knew I was worth more, but I had strayed so far from that truth. Honestly, it was kind of hard to tell. It was hard for me to look myself in the eye and say, no, you need to let go of this guy because I was like, oh my God, what if I, no what if I never get another chance? Okay, really, what if you get fired from Panera and you never get another job and you have to retire at 24? Does that sound plausible to you? No, there's more men than there are Paneras. I got news for you. So never be afraid to let a guy go if he is giving you that mania hysteria feel. And usually by the time you've come to me for advice, you are way down that rabbit hole. It's time to leave him. It's time to leave your Panera. It's time to ascend on all levels. This last question comes from Sienna, who is in college and is dealing with something that I know a lot of you guys are sort of going through right now, which is picking roommates for next year or just sorting out your living situation in general. And she says, dear Shallon, okay, so this girl that I'm friends with asked me point blank if I wanted to be roommates with her next year. And honestly, I don't want to because I feel like I have to walk on eggshells around her. She's got a hair trigger temper and like she gets really mad and she rages around and like she just kind of like makes people on edge and people end up like doing whatever she wants kind of because they're afraid of her. And that's just not someone I want to live with. But the tricky part is I do want to live with her other two friends and I've kind of committed to them. So I don't know if I should sit her down and like tell her what the deal is or what. All right, this is tricky. But I'll tell you something. You haven't experienced hell until you've lived in a place where you don't wanna be. Like whether it's a boyfriend you can't get away from, you're in a fight with your parents or your sister, or honestly, above all of those things is a roommate situation that's tense. It is a nightmare. I mean, a nightmare. Your home is supposed to be your sanctuary, you know? It's supposed to be your safe place, your exhale, your your sanctuary. And there is, it is agony to be in a roommate situation that's tense. And it's even worse, like if you go into it knowing that that's gonna be the deal. Like it's one thing if everyone's like, hey, this is gonna be great, I don't know any better. And then you're like, oh, you're a nightmare or whatever. And things deteriorate. But if you already think it's gonna be bad going into it, girl, it's gonna become unbearable. 
And like, you can fuck with my emotions. You can even fuck with my time. You do not fuck with my money. You do not. There, mm, you won't like the challenge you get if you do. And if you're moving in and buying things and going in on that stupid Ikea pullout sofa, and then you have to move out, like you've messed with someone in a really big way. So you deserve to have a place of your own that is your home and that is your restful space with people you actually do wanna live with. And like, if this girl is a nightmare just hanging out, oh my God, what do you think she's gonna be like on her own turf? Where th- she thinks she actually does rule the roost. You know, it's one thing if you act like that at a bar where it's like not your territory, you think someone's gonna be better in their own turf? Nah, it's gonna get exponentially worse. So what I told her is to like sort of, I mean, definitely don't sit her down in real life because again, like I've said in the other question in this podcast, like people like this likely thrive on confrontation. She sounds like she thrives on drama and she's a bully. And again, bullies don't see the difference sometimes between positive and negative communication. Well, you know what? Actually, I take that back. Bullies respond to strength, but what Sienna is going to do is sit her down and approach her like an equal, like a normal sane person, and they don't respond well to that. You know, like they don't respond well to logic. Again, they smell blood in the water and they're like, oh, I'm just going to like press more. So Sienna does not owe her the truth. The truth is not someone people are entitled to. The truth is not a right. The truth is a privilege. The truth is something you get when you have proven that you deserve it, that you can handle it, that you will use it not as a weapon against me. People ask me questions all the time that I don't want to answer, and I don't. People ask me how old I am, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't remember. And I change the subject. And people are like, no, come on, tell me. And I was like, I don't, I don't know, I don't remember. Anyway, like, You can keep on asking and you're going to keep getting the same response. And if you keep asking me in a bad way, you're going to get my response escalated in a way you don't enjoy. So this girl, first of all, she should not confront her IRL because it's an uncomfortable conversation. And again, the the name of the game here is boundaries and space. So she should be vague but definitive. So I told her to say something like, you know what, I'm not sure what I'm doing yet, but I think I committed to some other people, so definitely don't wait around for me, and I want you to go ahead and make your own plans for next year. That's it. That's it. You don't need to say, well, it's your other friends, and I don't know, but you're kind of a monster. No, you don't need to say any of that stuff. You just need to make it known that you're not rooming with her, and if she has questions later about who it is, well, who are you rooming with? Like, don't answer that text. Just be like, you know, just some girls. Like, again, You don't need to answer. It's not her right for your information, especially if whatever you tell her is going to go bad and then you're like, oh my God, I'm drawn into this thing. Like I said, you have the right to have your safe space and safe sanctuary. But even if you're not dealing with this precise issue, I guarantee that you can apply this sort of like boundary setting to other places. And I know I talk a lot about boundaries. You guys are probably like, ugh, this again. But that's because it keeps coming up and it comes up with guys, it comes up with friends, it comes up with family, it comes up with coworkers and I don't want to check my email at 11 p.m. and then again at 6 a.m. Boundaries are crucial. Wars are fought over land, both physical and emotional. 
So a Shaloner named Miley submitted this next question to me and she said, Dear Shallon, this girl is one of my friends and I'm having a lot of problems with her because she's basically a mean girl. And I took your advice and I called her out, but in a non like offensive way. And I said, hey, you know, when you do X, it makes me feel like this and it hurts my feelings and it makes me sad and it takes our friendship to a place I really don't want it to be. And guess what? She just got worse. She got so mean and she started attacking my appearance on social media. But then of course in real life when she sees me, she comes up and she like rubs my arm. She's like, sweetie, your hair looks great. So I'm thinking about calling her out again and my friends have a great idea for me to get the same prom dress she's gonna wear and wear it and just like really show her up. So what do you think the best tactic is? Um... Not that one. So first things first, prom is an American rite of passage. It is something that is so fun that you are gonna look back and think about and like talk about with people basically for the rest of your life. And when you share prom stories, how sad if the story you have to tell is about some bitch you don't even talk to. You know what I mean? You wanna look back and think about your date and your boyfriend and the romance or your friends and how much fun you had getting ready and picking out your dress and like your hair and whatever and the limo ride and the after party and the lame Ed Sheeran song that they played 500 times. You don't want to make that really important moment about some hoe who is awful to you. Like you're not going to talk to this girl in five years. You're not even going to talk to her in five months because she doesn't exist to you. She's a bad person. Don't make something good about someone bad. So that's really bad advice on your friend's part. And you know what? I think that's actually kind of like a question in and of itself because our friends, like as much as they love us, like people love a spectacle. People love a scandal. And they especially love a scandal that doesn't involve them. You know what I mean? Like people who love celebrity gossip, I'm one of them. It's like, well they're not out doing anything interesting. Like they're just feeding tangentially and by osmosis off the lives of other people who are putting themselves out there, who are suffering real consequences. So be careful of the things your friends encourage you to do. They're always going to root for the thing that's going to make the best story, but they don't have to live inside the consequences of what you're going to experience, right? So they kind of don't get a vote. We need to take our friends' advice, like, you know, of course, into account. But at the end of the day, this actually is not a democracy because the consequences are not shared democratically. They're shared with you. So what should she do about this person? Okay, calling her out again is also a very bad idea because you tried that once and it didn't work. So ostensibly, you do it again, it's going to have the exact same outcome. What do they always say? The definition of crazy is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And this person is the crazy one. I've gotten this question a lot from you guys recently. I mean, just like over time historically, which is like, you know, I have a toxic friend and I tried to like, not call her out, but just confront her about the situation to try to make it better. And it got exponentially worse. That is because people like this feed off of confrontation. And for normal people like us, that thought is like incomprehensible. I hate confrontation. I hate fighting. I mean, I'm kind of like a little Roman war machine, but I don't like fighting with my friends. You know, like I'll fight a bitch on a subway, but I'm not going to like fight with my best friend. My God, that would be crazy. So when someone 
is into that. It's like we can't even get our head around it. So we're not confronting the reality of what we're dealing with in an objective way. We need like like a an army general to pull back and be like, yo, this is the truth about your enemy. And that's what I'm here to do. Like I said, I'm a Roman war machine. So <laughs> this girl does not differentiate between positive and negative communication. You could go to her with a groveling apology. You could go to her with the worst arsenal of insults crafted by man. She does not see a difference. She smells blood and she goes for the jugular. And it's really sad because we obviously want a different outcome. But when I was in ROTC, one of the first things they taught us was you have to analyze whether or not your enemy wants peace or whether they want victory. And I might have actually talked about this on a podcast before. I I don't know. I give you guys so much advice. Like, it, I can't remember what I've talked about or not. So, like, pardon me if I repeat myself. But, you know, some things bear repeating in life. And the peace versus victory thing is so, so true. Because that really determines everything about your approach to someone. This girl does not want peace. She wants victory. She wants domination and subjugation from you and everybody. And she will do whatever she can to get it. And their most typical tactic is to just wear you down. The drama, the fighting. And we've observed people like this in our life. Maybe not like directly, but you know, secondhand. We've seen like a girlfriend who just barks at her boyfriend, nags until he just shuts up. Remember when I did that video on Beyonce and Solange and Jay-Z and their Met Gala elevator confrontation? Jay and Bay stood there with their head down and their hands in front of them as Solange raged because they'd been through this before. And they knew, based on past experiences, that saying anything to her, any sort of confrontation, was only going to make it worse. And therefore, Solange got to be an absolute asshole and just scream at arguably the two most famous people on planet Earth. Like, think about that control and that dynamic. That's insane. That's insane. But she is insane, and that's what insane people do. They wear you down. They wear down a sane person. So confronting her again is only going to keep this going. That is just another elevator with Solange. You don't need that. You certainly don't need that at your prom or your office or your this or your that, your family reunion, whatever. It doesn't matter. You don't need this at all. And the sooner we start setting up boundaries in life, the better. It's like a muscle you have to flex in order to make it like work when you need it to, you know? You have to condition it and it has to become a regular, habitual, memory-based thing. So the answer to what she should do is, believe me, while this is unsatisfying, believe me, I know, you have to cut this person off. I've told this to you guys like on an individual level, again, maybe on this podcast, I can't remember, but like if someone was threatening you like physically, if someone was lurking outside your house with a weapon, looking to do you harm, looking to hurt your family, you'd lock the doors. You wouldn't just like leave the garage open and the windows open because like, hey, you know, I really just, I want to look really chill. Like, I don't care. I don't want to look like I care. Fuck no. You would bolt the doors. You get a shotgun. You'd sit in the roof and you pick them off one by one, right? This is not different. And sometimes when I get confused about a situation, I'm like, I don't know what the right thing to do is. I boil it down to something simple like that. 
Someone is at the gates. Someone is trying to get in. And they mean me harm. I'm going to repel borders. I'm going to build that moat. I'm going to pull up that drawbridge. And no, they're not going to like it. But walls aren't meant to please the people on the outside. They're meant to keep the people on the inside safe. And that's what you need to do. You're going to pull up that emotional drawbridge and you're going to tell your friends, I'm not going to speak about this bitch. I'm not going to speak to her. I'm going to block her on everything. I'm going to unfollow her. Do not import her across my walls. Because if you do that, you too are going over the edge. I'll push you out. I'll dracarious this thing. Done. So again, that's not the satisfying thing. We all want to engage and like we want to win. But hey, then you have to analyze, am I so different from my enemy? Do I want peace or do I want victory? If you want victory, then sure, engage all you want. Like it's it's just going to be like a battle of, I don't know, nightmare personalities. I, w- I wouldn't even say wits or wills. It's just going to be a battle of complete awfulness and none of you are going to win because win what? Like you're going to, I'm going to teach her a lesson. No, no, you're not. You know why? Because she's crazy. You don't teach crazy people anything. Life teaches them slowly. It's a war of attrition. Like they just live a really shitty life. I mean, sometimes they don't. Look at who's in the White House. But their shitty life or their great life does not impact our ability to have an amazing life for ourselves. You know what I mean? Like my enemies might be out there like winning. Fine, great. I just, I hope there's a hell, you know? But like I have to focus on me winning because them losing doesn't make me win. It just makes them lose. But I can also win. So you got to cut this girl off. And believe me, I know how hard it is. So if someone like this comes up to you in real life, because I know it's easier to cut someone off, like to block them, which again, you need to do. You need to repel all of these borders. I don't care if you look crazy. I don't care if you look like you're not over it. Why do you need to be over it when someone's attacking you? I'm not over something that someone did to me in fourth grade. You think I'm going to be over something like this? No. If someone comes up to you in real life and starts to be fake or starts to engage, literally turn and walk away. That's one of the best things about becoming an adult is realizing you have the power to do that. Like I have like just stood and stared blankly at someone if they've asked me a question I don't want to answer. Like I don't owe you anything. You're not entitled to my information, to my history, to my whereabouts, nothing. And you're not entitled to engage with me. I turn and walk away from people all the time. Like in New York City and a lot of cities, like those ASPCA, not even ASPCA people, but just like, hey, hey, do you have a minute for the environment? I literally turn and walk away like, oh, come on. I'm like, go fuck yourself. I don't owe you a shred of politeness. I don't know you like that. The drawbridge is up. Because I only have a certain amount of time and I certainly only have a certain amount of energy. And you have to ask yourself, what am I going to spend this on? It's like a bank account. Here's what I have. What am I going to spend this on? What am I going to spend my prom on? What am I going to spend this night on? What am I going to spend my precious energy and thoughts on? And it cannot be someone who isn't going to enrich your life at all. Pull the drawbridge up.
That's all for this week, Shaloners. Thanks for tuning in. And like I said, if you have a love question of your own that you need some help on, find me on the Instant Go app and click chat to get connected right away. Also, find me on YouTube, Shallon Lester. Click like and subscribe for new videos every Friday and a bunch in between. And be sure to follow me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter at ShallonXO. Stay savage.